LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Jerry Cannon. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, Derek, I, I picture you as a good 500 player. Is that, is that, is that, yeah, I just feel like there was, there was a whole sort of house party scene, Christian camp scene, you know, from years ago. And I imagine that you were up, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock, just owning the, owning the table, owning the board. Yeah, look, I used to actually really love playing solitaire with people. That was my game. Um, so that, yeah, I keep. I feel like you put me in boxes, Scott. Uh, but I do, I do love five hundred actually. Beach mission days. Well, the one thing's brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Uh, check out their network page on iTunes, and you can see a whole bunch of great quality. Christian podcast. I don't know about you, Derek, but I'm, I've been listening to a whole bunch more podcasts in this COVID-19 environment. But for now, you press play on another episode of The One Thing, COVID-19. What would I do differently? So we have Paul uh, Webb on our podcast today, just little snippets of Paul, and we're going to uh, be hearing from him. Paul and Beth, uh, along with all the kids, they were Chest Hill Anglican, which is a uh, a church in Sydney uh, in the West. It's quite a cross-cultural area. And so Paul, when he planted there a number of years ago, uh, their specific desire in planting was to reach out to the people who uh, weren't born in Australia, who'd moved there. And it's, um, it's a, a challenging but exciting area to do ministry. And so he's been thinking into cross-cultural ministry uh, and how to reach people and care for people in that context for the last few years. Great. Well, we took the time to... Uh... Well, he was really gracious in, in sort of sharing some of the learnings that he's had just over the last few weeks. And so we're going to hear from him now. One of the mistakes that we made was we jumped straight into opportunity mode. You know, this is, this is an opportunity to rethink church and there's an opportunity to love our community and let our school know that we're here and present and, um, yeah, opportunity to change the world for Jesus. And of course, there are opportunities, and we thank God for that. But what should have sunk in more, and yeah, I know it's pretty obvious, but people are just grieving, eh? You know, we had people in our church losing jobs and not being able to see parents who were dying and running out of food and money and some people stuck in other countries and others having to just become teachers overnight and all these Zoom meetings and... Well, of course, really what they just needed was someone to love them and listen to them, pray with them, read psalms with them, talk on the phone sometimes for hours, maybe, I don't know, just give them a meal or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was a mistake that we made. Right, now, interesting to hear from Paul about what he, looking back, what he did, like we're not out of it yet, Um, if you're listening to this post-isolation, welcome. But at the moment, we're all still kind of in post-isolation. It's interesting to hear Paul reflect on how he he responded to this crisis. Everyone's going to respond to the crisis and everyone's going to respond differently. Um, but interesting for him as well, isn't it, how, where his personality and where his leanings took him. Scott, uh, knowing you and knowing what Paul's just said, you guys 
tend in a particular direction. Describe how you respond now and Paul's comments, reflect on his comments to crises. Well, he just, he said that we went into opportunity mode. You know, we thought about mission. Okay, these are the opportunities. These are the things, you know, so there was, I imagine there was a very, you know, very quickly a, uh, oh, let's grieve some of the things we've lost, but okay, now what can we, what can we, what can we do? What can we, what, what, what can we get on with? And so I make that mistake regularly. I think I've, I've actually forced myself to have reflection time. Uh, I have to force myself to stop and, you know, put things down on paper and, and reflect. So, you know, one of the, one of the helpful tools that, that came out of, you know, doing all stone a few years ago was this sort of simple now where, how, so a very simple planning tool, but just to stop and go, okay, where are we at now? Um, where do we want to be? And then how can we get there? So, okay, let me ask a question. What's the problem with that? Yeah, I think, I think as, um, as Paul said, the problem, the problem is with it was that people just needed someone to love them and, and listen to them. And uh, again, I think that's, that I'm, you know, using the sort of Myers-Briggs, I'm, I'm a thinker, uh, I'm not a feeler. Uh, and so, again, another helpful thing is to have people on your team who actually can, can say, okay, slow you down. How, how are people actually wrestling with this? And that's really, you know, needs to be our, our, first, our first response. Yeah, I think, I think understanding yourself, having that self-awareness to know that uh, is helpful just to put some stoppers on who you are, but also to provide people around you who can, who can maybe perhaps be that feeling person who's asking those questions. Yeah, it's a dynamic there though, isn't it? Um, because you are saying as a leader, I do need to plan for the future. Um, you know, every crisis is an opportunity and it is. Uh, but that's not necessarily what people need to hear from you when you interact with them. I think that, um, and actually it's interesting because knowing Paul, Paul and Beth are very loving people, but in those moments of crisis, maybe your personality gets exaggerated slightly and particularly in massive moments of crisis, which all also produce massive opportunities. Perhaps that's, that also gets exaggerated. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think we have a tendency often to, uh, to throw out what, you know, what we had planned now in some ways, you know, COVID, COVID is this sort of once in a lifetime event. So, you know, if you did have a strategic plan off, you know, you, you could rip it up and, and that'd be, a, that'd be okay. But there's a lot of things that you're probably doing beforehand that you need to keep doing. Uh, you know, and you think about the church context, you know, build, building leaders, uh, pre preaching the word, pastorally caring for people. Those things, you know, don't change. Having that made, major outcome of making disciples and, and getting the body to be doing that, that doesn't change. So, uh, so stopping and reflecting is really helpful. Okay, let's, we'll come back a little, in a little bit uh, to goal setting, but I want to hear from Paul again around uh, communication, things he, he would do differently in his cross-cultural setting. So let's hear from Paul. The way that we decided to do church during COVID was pretty different to what we had actually been doing before it. And uh, some of those changes had been planned and... We talked about them as a leadership team and this has been an opportunity to try some of those out and to implement them and actually potentially continue some of those changes post-COVID. Um, but because the changes were so different and uh, the rest of the church, well, obviously they hadn't been in on all those leadership conversations, the why was less obvious to people than just, oh, well, you know, we can't meet face-to-face -face anymore because of COVID, so we're just going to live stream. And the mistake that we made was not taking the time to communicate really clearly from the beginning why we were making the changes and which of these changes do we think actually we might keep in place post-COVID. 
Now, I reckon the answer to most of those questions would have been, well, we don't actually know. But it would have been helpful to at least communicate that we don't actually know. All right. So uh, having heard that, um, Paul thinking through how he would communicate in that crisis differently. What did you hear, Scott? Well, I, I heard that he needed to uh, sit down with Madeline Galea and, and have a Simon Sinek session. That's what I heard. Um, not, not communicating the why. Matt, for those listening, Madeline's part of our team and is a massive Simon Sinek fan. Uh, but, but it's that mistake uh, or that learning of, it's really important when I'm doing any change to actually get that, you know, that coalition. And part of that is actually clarity of communication as to why are we doing. So often, you know, people call this the burning platform. You know, there needs to be a, a reason for this. And I think, uh, you know, Paul, Paul helpfully, a great learning is I, I need always to say, why are we doing this? It's not enough just to say, we're going to go over here. I actually need to help people um, get there. Well, how do you balance that? Because it, there are points at which you need to make decisions quickly and move quickly. Um, uh, and so how do you balance that taking people with you um, versus just going yourself and going faster? I think, I think part, yeah, part of it is recognising that uh, with any change, you know, people go through, you know, people go through stages. So there will be grief there. Uh, and, and I think as well, another part of it is to realise that not everyone's going to see the things that you're seeing. You know? And often that's what makes a good leader. They can, they can see what needs to happen and they can see the reason why before you know, everyone else. That's what makes them, a, hopefully, a good leader. They, they've got that forward-thinking skill. And so recognising as a leader that you are going to need to communicate that, you're going to need to get people on board. Part of that's going to be getting you know, your leadership team on board, then a wider, a wider group. I think particularly what COVID-19 has thrown up is we want to communicate, communicate, communicate. And in many ways, we've lost some of those key communication channels that we, that we would, would have. And we've lost that face-to-face communication, which, which is so much better than speaking, you know, speaking down a, uh, an, an, an internet cable you know, and, and only seeing a face. You know, we're missing all our body. Well, we're missing that warmth. We're not getting the ability to, you know, to hug and hold and, uh, and sit, with, sit alongside people. So we're losing all those things as well. And so even more so in this time, it's important that we uh, you know, over-communicate and have that clarity. Yeah. And so I wonder whether that's where the goal setting partly comes in as well. You do need to talk about the why you're doing it. But for people who love details and who want to sift through that as well and who will help you understand the implications of your big picture uh, dreamings and whether it's realistic or not, those goals, that goal setting uh, I think is really key. All right, let's uh, hear from Paul uh, just just one last time. Thinking cross-culturally particularly, uh, but that's that's the context he finds himself in, the things that he had to learn and adjust to in his church. I made a mistake early on in these corona times, which was not thinking through how my brothers and sisters from other countries and cultures, uh, many who don't understand much English at all, how are they dealing with COVID-19? Do they understand these changes? How, how do they feel about them? You know, how do they interpret them? Um, but more specifically, what I didn't think through is what is their expectation of me as a pastor, as a minister during this time? And I soon figured out that for some cultures, the expectation was actually that I ramp up my visits to them and their family during this crisis and not via Zoom, actually face-to-face that I should be increasing my um, practical care for them by taking them food and mowing their lawns and, 
other stuff like that. Now I'm still wrestling with those expectations and you know what to do with them, but I should have at least thought about it back then at the start. So part of this is a leader within the church as well, as you think through these things is not no knowing that you don't have to do it all yourself, but actually working out how you mobilize other people uh, with this same kind of thinking and these learnings you've got. So how is it you do that? How do you think you do that? Yeah, uh, this, and this, and this is again, another tough one, you know, again, thinking about the, you know, the pastoral care mistake at the top, you know, in this time I could, I can see the pastor becomes really critical and important. You know, he's an, he, he or she is an essential worker. They can go and, you know, break the social isolation rules. They can go and visit and, um, you know, and, and catch up with people and, and actually be more pastorally caring. Uh, we, we can make more phone calls. And so, I, you know, is there a risk and a danger that at the end of this, I actually do expect my pastor to be calling me twice a week and, and checking in on me and seeing how I'm going. Uh, and, and I think as well, in that rush to be doing something, um, you know, making calls, uh, being that pastor caring um, shepherd, yeah, it, feel, it feels good. And so you're going to rush into that. But we want to build an army, not an audience, as, you know, Todd, Todd Adkins would say. We actually want to mobilise the body. And I think this, this has created a, a great opportunity to do that. So some of the things I've seen in other churches are that they have created care teams, they have created uh, new structures, and there's been a real willingness for people to jump in and be involved in that. And so, again, the role of the pastor is to equip, you know, equip the saints uh, and so a- actually helping the whole church see how they can serve uh, one another is, is really important. That's excellent. That's good. So leaders, building an army on an audience, uh, we've got different capacities for this, but we've got to work out how we, we mobilise people for it. All right, Scott, what, uh, what resources, what's in your toolbox to help us do this? Yeah, my top three must have resources. Uh, as always, check out the genevapush.com forward slash COVID-19 page. Always great resources in there and, and always good to hear from Australian pastors on how they're responding. Uh, just a book on sort of pastoral care, a great one. It's an oldie, Paul Tripp's uh, Instruments in the Hands of, a, of uh, the Redeemer. And then I've got a simple formula that I picked up from Allstone a few years ago. Uh, DVP leads to uh, a greater success in change. I think it's an old McKinsey tool, uh, but the D stands for dissatisfaction. So you need to communicate that burning platform, that dissatisfaction with the status quo. Uh, you need to have a vision. You need to be calling people to something, you know, in the future uh, that, you know, they can get around. That's the, the why, I guess, if you're if you to lose, use Simon Sinek's language. And then finally, you need a plan. Uh, you actually need something that will be able to implement that vision. So you need all those three things in place as you think about change. I think that's just a really helpful formula to be thinking into. And the final one is a, is a book on cross-cultural church planning. I think there's some great stuff there as well. You think about the different cultures and how they're responding to this. If you like The One Thing, you might also like the new Reach Australia podcast. While The One Thing has shorter episodes, the Reach Australia podcast has longer form discussions with prominent Christian leaders. They just dropped an 11 part series on leadership with Craig Hamilton, author of Wisdom in Leadership and a six-part series with Andrew Hurd, who is the lead pastor at EV Church on the Central Coast. Just search for Reach Australia in your favourite podcast app or check the show notes. Excellent. Well, if you like what you've heard today on The One Thing, we'd appreciate if you just take a moment to rate the show on iTunes and leave a comment. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat Chat soon. Chat soon.